Hello and welcome to the Thriving Abroad podcast and Happy New Year. Now I took a break over Christmas and New Year and so this is the first episode of 2021 and I am so excited to be starting this brand new year and I doubt there are many people who are sad to be moving on from 2020. What does 2021 have in store? Well, I think we're probably all pretty loath to make predictions, but I hope that wherever you are in the world, you and your family are well and have been able to kick back a bit and enjoy the holiday season. And I wish you all the very best for a happy and healthy 2021. Now, for those of you who are listening to the podcast for the first time, I'm Louise Wiles. I'm host of the podcast and author of the book, Thriving Abroad, The Definitive Guide to Professional and Personal Relocation Success. And I'm also a relocation coach, working with people who are relocating to live abroad and create new, thriving lives in new locations around the world. Now today, in this podcast, we take a journey through the highlights from the podcast conversations of 2020 with my quite amazing podcast guests. I want to start by saying a huge thank you to all my guests. I really appreciate your participation and the wisdom that you shared in 2020. And thank you to you, the listener. Thank you for being out there supporting this podcast. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that this has been a busy, busy year for Thriving Abroad podcast with the publication of 47 episodes. There are powerful messages in many of these, and in the summary, I showcase some of those messages. Now, just as a housekeeping point, so that I don't keep repeating myself, I've created a blog post and download containing all the links and downloads I mention in this podcast. You can access it all by going to thrivingabroad.com and clicking on the podcast tab and looking for episode 77. You'll find it all there on the associated blog post. So here goes with the summary of 2020. Now I kicked off the year by talking about igniting 2020 and creating positive change. Mm. The year certainly ignited all right, but few of us could have imagined quite how it was going to play out. A pandemic, Black Lives Matter, Matters, terrible fires in Australia and the USA, the stuff of movies, and here we have all been right in the thick of it. As a result of the pandemic, people were stuck abroad, separated from loved ones, and may well still be living apart. Others repatriated home unexpectedly and are still waiting in place to see how things will pan out. People lost loved ones, and my heart goes out to everyone who has lost in some way in 2020. Now a new year brings a new start. That doesn't necessarily mean that we forget the struggle of 2020, or imagine that there will be no struggle in 2021. But it does give us the chance to have a think about what we want to devote our time and attention to in this new year, and how we're going to do that. Now, I don't know about you, but I love New Year. I love the idea of a fresh start. I'm not so into New Year's resolutions, but I do often start the New Year with great intentions. 
But what I found is that although we can start with great intentions, it's often really difficult to stick with it and see the changes through, especially in times like now. We keep bumping up against old behaviours, habits, expectations and the pressures of our everyday life. And before we know it, we're heading towards the end of the year with not a whole lot of change. Now, if you're wanting to make some kind of change, big or small in 2021, but feel stuck and unsure about how to make that change stick, then I have just the thing for you. I'm going to be running a free webinar Stuck to Unstuck, Creating Positive Change on Friday the 5th of February at 3pm. Come and join me and I promise it will be a fantastic use of your time as I share a framework for identifying and creating positive change in your life in a way that puts well-being at the front and centre. Because this year, last year, has really raised the emphasis on well-being and I really feel it's so important to have that focus. So go to the blog post I mentioned, episode 77, to register for the webinar. And I'll be in touch with more details and a worksheet to help you identify the area of change you want to focus on for the webinar. And by the way, if you can't make the webinar live, I will send you a recording. Now, I love this quote from Mel Robbins. A good life is not lived by chance, but by choice. Don't leave things to chance in 2021. Now, moving on from that first episode in 2020. If there was one word that seems to have featured in most episodes in this sh- in 2020, it was pretty unsurprisingly the word uncertainty. If the pandemic has done nothing else, it has reminded us all that we live in an uncertain world And as much as we seek to control the environments in which we live, it's often very difficult. Rather than railing against uncertainty, how about we choose to embrace it, recognise that change is perhaps one of the only constants in life, it's inevitable, and build strategies for living positively with uncertainty. There are many tips on this theme in the podcast of 2020. So with this theme of uncertainty in mind, I want to highlight a series of conversations that I had where I spoke to people and talked about the future of relocation support. In episode 62, I talked with Michelle Barr-Pareg. Now, Michelle has a lifetime of expertise and experience in the relocation industry and most recently was founder of Relocate Yourself. At the point we spoke in July, Michelle emphasised that it was really not possible to conclude absolutely how things in the global mobility sector would pan out as a result of the pandemic. But she did suggest that it might be time to bring the cookie cutter approach to supporting relocation to an end. Listen as she explains. I've had this burning, I would say, burning desire to change the way relocation works so that it becomes a tool for everyone to use, anyone and everyone at any time. Because I think relocation is not about the cookie cutter approach. It's not about one size fits all. It's about the individual that's moving. And yes, you have to get visas. And yes, you have to do certain things. Of course you do. And you must be able to do that. But I believe strongly that the way for a 
assim good assimilation, good relocation to really work is to approach it as an individual project. And that individual is the person that's moving and or their family. Now, one of my favourite podcasts this year was the conversation I had with my wonderful panel in episode 74. We had a very lively discussion with Isabella Guidastri, Monica Scaleri, Carolina Porto, Catherine Hansen, Laura Schmidt and Michelle Barr-Pereg. Now, the purpose of our conversation was to discuss the lessons learned in 2020 and how we can better support moves abroad. All my guests are relocational professionals who have also lived the international life, understanding the challenge of multiple locational moves at both the personal and professional level. And they all built on the point Michelle made in podcast 62, emphasising the importance of really understanding the needs of clients and recognising that gaining clarity on needs in this way can actually help companies, organisations, to become more efficient in providing relocation support. Listen to Monica Scaleri as she shares her perspective on this. We have a bunch of long-term experts around the world right now that needs an approach, I think, that must take in consideration that they are different. They have already altered cultural traits, as I say, high resilience, ability to read and manage complexity. And I think that relocation companies need to module these differences and treasure them and empower them. And even companies and HR invest more in training resilience, mental toughness, well-being, not only about filling the gap on cross-cultural uh, skills. So this is what I saw from my survey. I mean, we have a big bunch of superheroes, long-term resilient experts out there that need to be supported in a more sophisticated and integrated way than before. Now I really like Monica's reference to expat superheroes and the recognition that they need to be supported in more sophisticated and integrated ways and this really links into the next podcast that I want to review. Duty of care has always been on the list of responsibilities for global mobility managers and relocation service providers but it's not always been surprisingly in my opinion front and centre. 2020 brought it screaming up the ranks to number one. As the pandemic unfolded, everyone everywhere scrambled to check in on and support assignees and families stranded in locations around the world. Well-being became a key focus and I loved the conversation I had with Bridget Romains, founder of Mobile Relocations in New Zealand. One part of our conversation focused on working virtually and how closed borders had led new recruits to have to work virtually. Listen as she explains the well-being challenge. I suppose really it's just about noticing what is going on and where people are struggling in the expat community and where I'm seeing that happen at the moment. And I've just got off a call this morning. People who are doing international remote working, we have a number in that situation who you know, in, in February this year, it wasn't what their organisation was set up for. It wasn't what their organisation wanted. It wasn't what mm. the 
employee wanted because they would have been in New Zealand in March had COVID not happened. But now here we are six months later and the only way to onboard these people and get them working in the jobs they needed to be doing was to have them stuck in their home country and now remote working, mostly on New Zealand time. And there are only a few countries in the world that share our time zone. Mm -hmm. So most of these people are working opposite or completely distorted um, days to where they're living. Mm -hmm. Um, Their connections with their family are really challenged because they might be working all night and needing to sleep all day. And so they're they're Mm -hmm. not seeing their family and and being involved in family routines and rituals. They're exhausted. Um, And they're trying to um, to fit into a work culture that they've never experienced. They haven't been physically on board. They don't know their team members apart from people on the screen. They don't understand the nuances of the Kiwi workplace or culture. So they're all incredibly positive about their jobs. They love their work. They're so grateful that this situation has been manufactured for them, but it's really, really hard. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's, that's something that... It was a circumstance that didn't exist at the beginning of this year, but yeah. it's a well-being challenge um, moving forward, certainly. And yeah. I think it's going to yeah. come. Um, the more that remote international working is seen as an option rather than a stopgap, um, you know, it seems like a simple solution. But at the moment, I feel we're trading off the back of a lot of existing relationships and teamwork and understanding and the longer that we don't have that actual in-country experience and the person-to-person contact, the harder Mm. it is going to be to maintain um, international remote working successfully. A really important point made by Bridget in episode 70. Now, if virtual working is going to be the norm for many expats and international teams, what do we need to do to better support their well-being and how can we optimally manage international remote working? And on that subject, interestingly, just before the pandemic became a thing, remember that? I spoke to Lindsay Ballet in episode 50 about the talent crisis in global mobility and her belief that millennials are perfectly situated to fill in the gaps. With hindsight, I now look back at the prophetic comment Lindsay made in relation to distributed work. She suggested that this flexibility would be attractive to millennials who could merge this work pattern with their lifestyle objectives. And I believe that millennials will play an important part in the world of global mobility in 2021 and beyond. And we saw the beginning as people moved to work remotely around the world in response to the pandemic. The message from this podcast was millennials will become an ever more important talent source, especially if the pattern is towards distributed virtual international teams and shorter commuter assignments. So looking forward, what role do millennials have to play in supporting the need for a distributed and virtual workplace workforce? And what can companies do to support this important source of talent as they merge their lifestyle objectives with companies' needs for international talent? Now, one way of supporting international talent is to provide cultural information. As Bridget said, if teams work from a distance and they lack in-country experience, then issues can arise in relation to cultural understanding. In episode 52, we went to India and one of the most listened to podcasts of 2020. I talked to Arti Kalishka, an intercultural consultant and author of How India Works. 
Aki shared her thoughts on the skills and strength that she believes helps employees to effectively live and work abroad and gave tips for living and working in India. This conversation underlined the point that cultural knowledge is so important, whether people are working in situ or remotely. Finally, on the broader subject of relocating abroad, whether we are relocating as an international assignee or individually, we all need to ensure that from a practical perspective, our health needs are covered. Covid has brought this point to the forefront and 2020 was perhaps a salutary lesson in this respect. My conversation with David Tompkins in episode 72 outlined what we need to think about and how to go about ensuring that we have the best level of cover required. This makes for really helpful listening for both corporate HR and individual expats. Now, in early March, as the pandemic unfolded, I put out a call to professionals working in the field of international relocation, asking if they would be interested in participating in a series of podcasts to support the internationally mobile. And I was blown away by the response, and so the Thriving Abroad Together series was born. Designed to support expats around the world to manage and cope with the emotional and practical fallout of the pandemic for themselves and their families, I published 19 episodes with 19 experts over the spring-summer months. Now, I haven't got the time or space to review all these episodes here, but I suggest if you'd like to know more about that series, then go and listen to the two summary versions I created, episode 20 and 21, in the Thriving Abroad Together series. You'll see that tab on the thrivingabroad.com website. Now, the conversations fell into four groups. Strategies for coping well in times of uncertainty, conversations to support and inspire parents in challenging times, strategies for creating vibrant well-being during challenging times, and strategies for creating positive professional outcomes during challenging times. And I created a series of four playbooks containing the blog post articles and show notes for each conversation with links to the recordings. Now, if you go and register for the Thriving Abroad newsletter, thrivingabroad.com, I'll send you a link to the four playbooks for you to download as a thank you. So go and register for the newsletter, you'll receive the playbooks, and then I'll be able to keep you up to date with all the podcast news for 2021 and beyond. Now, the Thriving Abroad Together series came to an end in June, and I then continued with additional content on dealing with uncertainty. In episode 58, I spoke with Dr. Bonnie Wims. Now, Bonnie is a therapist working out of New York, offering online sessions, and this had been her chosen style of working before the pandemic, so she was well-placed to offer support to international people requiring online support as the pandemic hit face-to-face consultations. Now, in our conversation, we talked about uncertainty and about how the pandemic was producing wave after wave of change and resulting transition, from locational changes to career changes, to having to work in different styles, either in in the home rather than the office or virtually, 
and the uncertainty that the panic pandemic brought in relation to children's education, to teens and their education, and health and so on. Now one tip that she gave that I think is super relevant today as we move into 2021 is that life can feel tough. And Bonnie suggested that there are ways that we can manage by being creative and stepping into the world as it is each day. Listen as she explains more. So I, I talk with my clients a lot about looking at the situation, breaking it down into steps, and then in those steps, where's your control? Where can you um, make a difference within uh, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it? And say there's a problem and, you know, you've got the whole problem at like 100%. And within that challenge, you've got 10% control is about what you figure, you know, this isn't like a, a serious math problem, but say you get a sense that you have very little control. So it's about 10%. Within that 10% now, you could be creative. The sky's the limit. You could do whatever you want within that 10%. And that's where you should be focusing your energy. Um, Like I said, just being really careful that the what-ifs don't spiral into things that you have absolutely no ability to control, nor have you ever had any ability to control. You know, Mm -hmm. none of us have ever, unless you're, you know, you own Delta Airlines. I don't think any of us have ever had any control over what the, you know, the airline industry has done prices and seat sizes and, you know, snacks on the plane, all of those things that we complain about. So we've never really had any control about it. Yes, there are what ifs that are kind of scary. But within that, as things start to reveal themselves, what can I manage? What can I control? And where can I pivot and get more in, um, you know, thinking more creatively how I can manage myself within this world? Um, And it's not going to be always easy. I don't want to paint that as some you know, Pollyanna, perfect thing, because of course it's not. And it's going to impact some people a lot more than others. But at least looking once again, what is the opportunity within this and how can I manage it to the best of my ability? And really trying to stay away from the what if worries, because I just, I think those just um, feed the anxiety and the fear and they don't help us. When we're focused on that, our creativity is stifled and we need our creativity right now. We need to be able to tap into that. And when we're spinning our hamster wheel over here, all of our energy will be zapped, you know. So where is your 10%? And how could you be creative and make a change within that 10%? If you're looking for some support to help you get from stuck to unstuck, then don't forget to register for the webinar, my webinar on the 5th of February. You go to episode 77 and you'll see the link and details there. A next conversation I want to highlight was with Trisha Carter, episode 61. We talked about living well through change and transition. And as we start 2021, this is as relevant now as it was back in July when we recorded it. So if you're struggling with the next series of changes in your life as we move into 2021, and you're looking for a framework to use to support you through uncertainty, then Trisha's three-step strategy for living with uncertainty will be of interest. So go and listen to episode 61. You can also go to the related blog post for this episode and you'll find the links to that download. Trisha very kindly shared two downloads with us. The first, Living with Uncertainty, and the second, a workbook for helping you to find five ways to well-being.
Now, changing the context of these interviews slightly, I want to turn to some of the conversations I had this year about the experience of expat partners. You know, it can be challenging to leave careers and lives behind to support a partner's international career. On the one hand, there's the excitement and the enthusiasm of new opportunities and an international experience. And on the other, it can be a lonely and soul-searching experience as the expat partner seeks to carve out a meaningful and purposeful life for themselves abroad. And I can certainly relate to that. So episode 60 with Caroline Allen talked about how international living and the resulting change can cause us to feel unsettled and somewhat disorientated. Searching perhaps for a sense of power and identity in the new environment. And this conversation reminded me of a book I read this year, written by Dr Benjamin Hardy, called Personality Isn't Permanent. Now he describes our identity as the story we tell ourselves, and how our identity predicts our personality, and how we consistently show up in the world. He suggests that personality is not predetermined, but something we can evolve based on a vision of our desired future self. As Dan Gilbert says, human beings are works in progress who mistakenly think they're finished. And I really love that quote for the possibility for creativity that it brings. And this conversation is a great listen for those who are thinking about personal evolution and perhaps a new purpose or sense of professional direction in 2021. Listen to this short excerpt from the interview with Caroline. So my path was I'm writing, I started by writing short stories. So the interesting thing too, I want to tell everyone about the path to purpose is I had been at the Financial Times. I get to Seattle. I cannot find a journalism job to save my life. And I had been at really big newspapers and had a very big career. I could not find a journalism job. And so uh, I would pick up the phone and call people to make things happen, and they wouldn't call me back. I had had 10 years of people dropping everything to call me back, important people. (laughs) Now people would call me back. It was a fantastic, fantastic kind of uh, spiritual lesson in how I thought my power, I thought it was my power, but it wasn't my power. It was the name of the newspapers I was working for. So I come to Seattle. I have no power. It's a beautiful place to start if you want to find purpose. And this is, you know, could be equated to the accompanying partner in the expat situation. They have all this power, right, in their careers. And then they go to a place where, you know, maybe nothing's happening. Maybe nobody, it seems nobody cares about what they're an expert at or whatever, right? It's actually why I think the expat lifestyle is so fantastic for any sort of creative or spiritual development, because you're forced to see where your power really is Mm -hmm. and you're forced Mm -hmm. inside. And that's what happened to me. Now, further conversations relating to the expat partner included episode 73 with Nicola Webb and episode 69 with Margaret Gilmetti. Now, these are two amazing women with fascinating stories and insights to share. Both relocated to support their partner's careers in the hotel industry. Both relocating to amazing but challenging locations. 
and in our conversations we discussed the impact such moves had on their sense of identity. Nicole left her 10-year career as a Sky newsreader in Australia to become, initially at least, a mum of a newborn in Hong Kong. And Margaret talked about how should-dos and people-pleasing could distract us from answering our real existential questions. Now, both are fascinating conversation, filled with their stories, their emotional reaction to their stories, and what they learned from their stories. And luckily for both, for, for us, both of them have captured their stories in books, which were published last year. Nicole Webb published China Blonde, and Margaret published Bravish, a memoir of a recovering perfectionist. So, if you're an expat partner who's grappling with the impact of international relocation, then these conversations are well worth a listen, and the books make great reads too. Talking of books, I loved my conversation with Louise Ross in episode 68, author of The Winding Road to Portugal. Having lived in Portugal for 12 years, I'm always fascinated by stories that relate to the country. And in this book, Louise shares the story of how 20 men came to be living in Portugal. Now, they all came from different places for different reasons and carved out different stories and lives for themselves in Portugal. And a couple were expat partners. And it's really interesting to hear the parallels in their stories to those told by Nicole and Margaret. But these are the stories of men. And it was interesting to compare this book and these stories to those of the women featured in Louise's earlier book, which told the story of how 20 women came to be living in Portugal. Now, I asked her what she saw was the key difference. And this is what she said. You know, despite men's palpable feelings around a sense of loss or separation from family or or loved ones or children or whatever, that, you know, sadly society does not easily grant men the the space to talk about their interior lives and and emotions. And and in that regard, it kind of cuts them off from their hearts. So then, um, you know, accepted ideas of masculinity exclude emotional vulnerability. And, uh, and yet th- this is a really profound disservice to, to boys and men because, you know, vulnerability is essential to our capacity to build intimacy and sustain uh, loving and healthy relationships. And um, so in that regard, the, you know, the complexity and, and paradox of what it means to be a man today, emotionally vulnerable and heart-connected yet strong and in control, um, creates this... Um, this disparate way of being in the world that was really apparent in their stories. Food for thought, indeed. Now, talking of men and their relocation stories, episode 59 was with Jerry Jones, who at the time of speaking was in China, but was about to embark on a move to the island of Malta. We first talked in June when the impact of the first wave of the pandemic was being felt, particularly within the international community. And Jerry said this, We all have to settle for less this year, but less is still better than nothing. If we settle for nothing this year, then we have missed something. He suggested we think about what we want our story from 2020 to be. And I really think that's worth giving some thought to. 
And for the parents amongst you, there was also some great content about supporting your kids through difficult times. Highly recommended. I then spoke to Jerry once again, once he had moved to Malta, and you can find that conversation, episode 71. It had been a highly stressful summer of rearranged flights with uncertainty. We talked about managing expectations, and I think this quote is extremely pertinent to us all as we think about 2021 and what it will bring, and as we attempt to set realistic expectations for the year. Uh, I, I think in, in this whole thing, um, I often talk about the, the gap between expectations and reality, which is where tension comes from. If there's a, if there's a big gap between those two things, uh, it is going to be more and more challenging. And then all of those things that are already inside of you, they work their, themselves out. And so I, I think, um, I, I really think in this pandemic and in any move or in any delay of move or any uh yeah any change that is taking place uh we have we have got to turn up the volume on all of the other pieces as well because the volume has been turned up on the situation on the experience and so understanding yourself understanding what happens to you when you fall apart uh is worth putting some more effort into and because the likelihood of you falling apart and really being stretched thin uh, is going to be turned up if you're trying to move during during the season. Talking about uncertainty, change and falling apart, one of my personal favourite episodes for this year was my conversation with Dr Paige Williams about becoming anti-fragile. We've all heard a lot of talk about building resilience in 2020. Being anti-fragile as a concept derived from the book Black Swan by Nassim Nicholas Taleb where he says anti-fragile is beyond the resilient or robust. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. Anti-fragile gets better and better. Listen as Dr Paige Williams, author of Becoming Anti-Fragile, Learning to Thrive Through Disruption, Challenge and Change, explains why anti-fragile is an important concept in today's world. Um, we can think of it on a continuum. So imagine at one end, we've got fragility or being fragile. Um, and we, we're kind of familiar with what the idea of something that's fragile, something is something that's fragile, it, it breaks easily, it can't withstand pressure, it has to be handled gently. Um, and that's, you know, that applies to objects, whether that's a vase or a pane of glass, but equally it applies to people. Um, and I know that I felt like this, and I'm sure you have and your listeners has, have as well, Louise, in terms of just, you know, when you feel fragile, it's one of those days you just want to stay with the bed covers over your head and it all feels just a bit too much and you want to kind of stay safe and play small because you're feeling fragile. It's all, it's all just a bit overwhelming. And um, if we move up the continuum to the middle of the continuum, this is where we might come across words like robust or resilient. So let's separate those two first. So if something's robust, the metaphor I tend to use of it's like a lighthouse. It can kind of withstand the elements. Um, and so it's strong in the face of challenge, in the face of adversity. It kind of stands strong. Now, resilient is something just a little bit different. Resilient um, is something where you may be knocked back at first by whatever it is, the challenge or the disruption or the level of uncertainty, but you have a capacity to bounce back. 
And as I've taught resilience, as I say, for the last 10, 15 years, we use a metaphor of a tennis ball. And we talk about, you know, being able to bounce back to where you were before. You're certainly impacted by whatever's going on but you're able to bounce back from that. And you know, that's why for me, resilience is, is no longer enough because, well, for, for one thing, and I've, I've seen this as I've, um, as I've helped senior leaders and leadership teams and, and whole organizations, you know, there's a lot of energy in bouncing back, right? That's a lot of energy just to go back to where you were before. And we need to actually move forward from there because standing still in the environment in which we all operate now, which is moving so fast, means that actually we are moving backwards. It might be slowly, but we are moving backwards if all we ever do is bounce back to where we were before. So what's the other side of that? And this is where the idea of anti-fragile comes in. So if you're interested to learn where you sit along the continuum, then go to the Thriving Broad website, episode 77, and follow the links to Dr. Page's online assessment, which is currently free. You'll receive a full report once you've completed the assessment, providing great tips on how to become more anti-fragile. Now, during this year, one of the challenges faced by many was repatriation, moving home, or having to move on ahead of the intended expected time. So I put together episode 63, Moving Home and Moving On, seven tips to support you to settle well. Now this is of value to anyone who's having to move home or move on to a new destination. You know, I know however exciting or pleased we are about a move, challenges still arise. And if we're having to move due to difficult circumstances such as the pandemic, it can be even tougher. So listen to the podcast and download the accompanying workbook to access great tips for settling well. Now, whilst some people move abroad to take up roles abroad, even independently or as an assignee of an international company, others choose to make their own way. These global nomads move abroad for new beginnings and the experience and adventure of living internationally. They also look for opportunities to build businesses. Now, they may take a business with them or choose to build one while abroad. Businesses may be digital and location independent or built around the local market and local opportunities. For expat partners, the growth of the digital online economy has represented a great opportunity for them to build businesses while living abroad, supporting their partners' international careers. So during 2020, I interviewed a number of business owners who are living internationally or dreaming of living internationally, who had great stories and advice to share about creating new entrepreneurial ventures. In episode 75, I spoke to Grant Aldrich, a serial entrepreneur and founder of OnlineDegree.com. I was intrigued by his reason why for becoming an entrepreneur. Have a listen. Well, I actually think a lot of your listeners can relate with this, and which is that I actually became an entrepreneur in the pursuit of freedom. Uh-huh. I wanted to mm-hmm. be able to go wherever I wanted to pursue whichever creative um, pursuits that I was interested in. And in my story, in my arc, it's actually a little tragic because when I got out of uh, college, I started my first venture and my second venture and went through all these things. And in my pursuit of freedom, and I'm a cautionary tale, I actually made myself a slave. 
And I'll explain what that is because in my philosophy was that I needed, like I looked at freedom as a, something you have to obtain something at the end of a tunnel where you work and work and work and you, and you try to grind out and that at one day you hope to obtain this freedom. And of course, mm-hmm. that's silly and that's wrong. And I think probably your listeners are far more uh, astute than I am and wise. And they probably understand, which is the truth, is that you have to live that lifestyle every single day. So I wonder how that message sits with you. As I listen to Grant share his entrepreneurial lessons, I realised how much truth there is in what people say about expats, that they likely make good entrepreneurs and vice versa. There were many parallels between Grant's entrepreneurial lessons and insights and what I understand helps to lead to success for people moving abroad. So from the conversation, I developed a 10 lesson guide to success as an entrepreneur and an expat. And download is available, yes you've guessed it, from the blog post for episode 77. In episode 67, I spoke to Francis Nyan about the global nomad lifestyle and asked him if it was something he thought we could all succeed at. And his answer was interesting. He said it was definitely something everyone should try, but we needed to employ a very open mindset, recognising that actually it's not always a lifestyle for everyone. Now Francis has built his copywriting business while living in Budapest and I got the feeling it had not always been an easy experience. He made this point. Yeah, so you know the idea of like this laptop lifestyle. So yeah, as you mentioned, I do work online. I have my own um, freelance business. I'm an email copywriter and strategist slash consultant. Um, right. still have a little imposter syndrome, so I'm trying to get used to the word consultant, but yeah, I mean, for me, it, I, I know that it requires you to be even more serious just because, you know, nowadays, especially, you know, really nowadays with the you know pandemic going on, you know, people are jumping online to, to figure out ways to work, um, figuring out ways to make money. And, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. it can be, you know, it requires you to be more serious and, to take your your business and you know, your skills to the next level, um, but not just you know the, I guess the skill that makes you you know money you know your work, but also perhaps your networking skills or um, your social skills or um, your able your, you know your ability to convey your message authentically online. So you're so you're a bit different, but um, yeah, I mean for me in my in my experience, it's it's made me a, a lot more serious than, you know, than I ever thought. You know, I think the idea of like this laptop lifestyle is you're on the beach and, you know, in Thailand and you're, you have your laptop there and you work, you know, one or two hours a day. And mm-hmm. in reality, I'm sure that happens, but um, I don't think I've worked, you know, harder than anything in my life. When- so laptop lifestyle is possible, but it needs grit and determination and a lot of hard work. And the reality of a laptop lifestyle is what I talked to Wendy Keir about in episode 54. Now Wendy is a true business nomad and moves regularly around Asia. Well, that was until the pandemic hit last year. But in this conversation, she offered a lot of important tips about managing the routine of a business while traveling and and also prioritizing self-care. She also suggests that it's better to move with an established business rather than trying to create and build one whilst on the move. 
But this is where I think I have to say different strokes for different folks, because not long after talking to Wendy, I spoke to Maxie Hackle in episode 56. Maxie and her husband moved to the UK from South Africa to establish their business, selling Elite Equine, a rosehip supplement sourced from the mountains of Lesotho, into the equitation industry here in the UK. Now, moving and establishing a new business just as a pandemic starts to take hold is a huge undertaking, and there were many practical challenges along the way. But what got Maxie through was her mindset, and she shared some great content on the importance of mindset. Listen as she explains. It takes that mindset of never giving up and just always getting up, never allowing yourself more downtime that you can recover from. Um, I posted something on my personal Facebook this week, uh, just spoke so much to me about being all in, whatever you do every day, wherever your story leads you, just go all in every day. And every night you put your head down on your pillow and you feel comfortable and satisfied that you have given your all in. Not that you were successful, it's not linked to success at all, just that you're going all in. So yeah. I think that yeah, that is something we really had to cling to. Now I don't know about you, but I love the idea of going all in and then letting go, disengaging from the outcomes that we may not be able to influence further anyway, and being open to what happens next. So to draw this review to an end, I turn to the subject of parenting. Without a doubt, my most emotional times when moving have been when I've watched my children struggle. The guilt, I'm sure, the parents out there who can relate. Now these following conversations will help you to identify a strategy to support your children through change and transition. First, we go to episode 64, where I spoke with Dr Sarah White. And we talked about supporting kids to develop emotional intelligence and resilience. Now, at the beginning of our conversation, Sarah shared something that surprised her when she first left the UK and arrived to work at an international school in Singapore. Listen as she explains. Sorry, Louise, if I can just add in at this point as well, I think, I don't know what your experience was, but certainly my experience as a teacher and from other parents is it's, it's quite amazing how quickly people accept this as the status quo is that oh we move a lot people leave a lot but that's just the way things are here um mm. I don't know what your experience was with that but I certainly thought well that doesn't sound right there's got to be something else we can actually do to support a bit better and international schools I think are in such a good position to actually support families with that um, my my take on it was always I think we could actually help a little bit more with this. The conversation that follows delves deeply into how parents and schools can better support families. Highly practical and worth a listen if you're a parent or a teacher. So continuing the theme of parenting through transition, I loved my conversation with April Renfrey for the practical insights she gave for supporting children and teens through transitions, particularly during this year, where delayed moves have led to, as she called it, anticipatory anxiety for both parents and children. Now, April supports parents who are relocating with children who have special learning needs. And April points out how important it is that parents assimilate as much educational teacher information about their children ahead of an international move. Listen as April explains. My strategy with these 
families with kids with special needs is to get out exactly what it is kids need, those, that child needs to be successful in a school. That means having everything on paper um, besides you know, all of the testing reports that kind of come along with the package, but creating something that almost looks like a resume that's three or four or five pages long, has all the key points of how to make this child successful in a school. And you're really boiling it down. So when the admissions director looks at this, Hopefully, they're taking it also to the learning support coordinator. But when the admissions director looks at it, it's in their language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because we as parents have a really hard time being able to boil down what our kids need because mm -hmm. we don't know what mm -hmm. our kids look like at school. Yeah. They look yeah. like at home. But mm -hmm. we don't know what they look like at school. And we see what, even if we see our kids working on their homework and learning at home, that's still going to look different than what it does in a school setting. So mm -hmm. to prepare for that, um, I am the one typically with my clients that I go and talk to past teachers and ask them these questions. But parents can do that too, um, regardless of your kids' needs. You can go mm -hmm. back to your kids' teachers and say, what do my kids need to, to perform well in the classroom? What do you mm -hmm. do? What are your strategies to help boost their confidence in the classroom or, or help support them in the classroom? And teachers are happy to share that information. It's just not a question they get asked very often. Now there's a lot more gold in this conversation, so go take a listen, episode 76. Now in moving abroad, we generally turn to the traditional bricks and mortar forms of educational provision. But that's not always the best solution. And for some children, in more remote locations perhaps, parents may decide to consider homeschooling. And of course, many of us have been able to experience a bit more of this option, perhaps, than we would have liked in 2020. In episode 66, I talked to Martina Giramin about her online school, School Beyond Limitations. I loved this conversation for the way it challenged me to think about what education and learning really are and how best to support our children to approach learning with curiosity and creativity. A great listen for those who are experiencing new waves of homeschooling in 2021, like me. And what was so exciting about this conversation was Martina's absolute passion for supporting children and their learning. Listen as she shares her vision. Um, we are here to really help young people uh, bring their mission into life, uh, be themselves, you know, and enjoy mm -hmm. learning in the first place. What is learning all about? What is the discovery, the research, the knowledge and knowing? And, you know, um, what is that all about? And what can we do so that young people actually uh, keep their curiosity alive instead of... Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, losing it uh, throughout mm. their school uh, career. And very often that happens, right? I just mm. see that mm. when I talk mm. to students, when they join us, for instance, you know, they seem to still be very curious, but they can't mm. relate to school anymore because they say in school, I can't do, I can't pursue what I really like to do. So I highly recommend going and listening to Martina talk about her approach to education and learning in episode 66. So we come to the end of our journey through the Thriving Book podcast of 2020. Now it's time to turn a new page and see what 2021 brings in the world of international mobility and relocation. 
I fear it's going to be a slow start and I believe change and transition will continue to be key themes during the year. For this reason, I'm kicking off the year with podcasts on the subject of thriving through transition. And so there's going to be a mini series over January and February focusing on this topic. You'll hear more from me about those and I really hope you enjoy them. Please let me know. Remember, before you click off to register to receive the Thriving Board newsletter so I can keep you up to date with all the exciting new adventures of the Thriving Board podcast in 2021. And also, don't forget the webinar, Stuck to Unstuck, How to Create Positive Change. I'll be running this as a free webinar only once, but after that, it's going to go behind a paywall. So if you want to take advantage of the free content, then go to thrivingabroad.com, episode 77, and register for the webinar. I'd really love for you to join me. Finally, remember I mentioned Maxi Heppel and her business that relies on the supplies of rose sips from Lesotho. She also supports the Manatase Children's Home in Lesotho. And as with many charities in 2020, it has had a financially difficult time and would really welcome any donations to help the support the education of children who live with them. If you found these podcasts helpful in 2020, then please consider supporting in some way this wonderful charity. Any donation, however small, will be very, very welcome. Thank you. Go to thrivingabroad.com and click on the link that says Manatase Children's Home. I wish you a wonderful start to 2021. Please remember, if I can be of any support to you, you can get in touch with me by emailing me louise at louisewiles.com. Thank you so much for your support for this podcast in 2020. And if you could help me spread the word about the podcast, then that would be absolutely fantastic. So that leaves me just to say, I hope that wherever you are in the world, you are staying safe and healthy. Until next time, bye-bye for now. Mm-hmm.